Anybody in this room have elementary kids in your house? Can I see your hands, okay? Middle school kids. Some of you are raising your hands all three times. <laughs> Do we need to talk about how this is happening? Okay, how many of you have high school kids? <laughs> very good. Uh, what, what about grandparents? Are any grandparents in the room? Oh, very, very good. Do we have any great-grandparents in the room? All right, let's have a little contest. How many of you, grandparents and great-grandparents, if you add up all of your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, you are at more than 10. Can I see your hands? Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. All right, very good. How many of you are at more than 15? Children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Okay, these are our Catholics in the room. No, I'm just kidding you. All right, how many of you are at more than 20 children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren? Okay, very, very, we are right here. He is the winner, okay. Believe it or not, uh, building a successful family was translated into Russian, and I've been over there multiple times to help them learn how to use it, and I met a lady who had 13 children. Now, if you're ever in Russia and you're speaking to Russian people, don't ever talk about birth control or family planning because that is sinful. It's up to God how many kids you have, and you're not supposed to do anything about that, okay? I learned that question the hard way. And, uh, but this lady had 13 kids, and they got married early, and those 13 kids had a lot of kids, and then those kids had a lot of kids, and I saw her Christmas picture. She was 72 years old. I would like for you guys to venture a guess as to how many people, kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, and so on, were in that picture. 41. Okay, I have 41. 220. <laughs> okay, these are, this is not a rabbit family. This is actually a human family. Okay, now I'm just, that, that's fine. Okay, it, it's more than 89 and less than 220. I'm going to go ahead and tell you just because we uh, are pressed for time, kind of like the basic Egyptian mummies, which means pressed for time. And uh, some of you will get that on the way home, but that's okay. There were 139 people in that picture. Can you imagine doing Christmas with 139 kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, and so on? That is, that is crazy. Let me take uh, just a couple of minutes and uh, let you know uh, my frame of reference. Um, you know, in all of my books, it says Dr. Jerry Pipes. I am not coming you to, to you today from an educational frame of reference. I am coming to you today from an in-the-trenches frame of reference, right? This is my uh, 38th year doing this. And uh, I literally have been in over 4 million schools around the world doing my Winning Choices program. Not trying to impress you. I had the privilege of representing President Bush in uh, 15 to 20 schools a week as a part of the President's War on Drugs, 2,000 schools, 2.3 million kids and their parents. And, uh, and so I, I go down the halls, I hear stuff, I hear stories, people ask questions, and so this is, not, this is not an educational deal. 
This is an in-the-trenches, real-life picture of what it looks like to reach and keep the next generation. And so I'm really looking forward to our time. We don't have much. I have 12 hours. We have 50 minutes. So we're going to jump in and try to make as much hay as we can. All right? Is that that good? Lord, thanks so much for the time to get into your word. Thank you for uh, Dr. Holloway, his passion to do today. And God, I just pray that you'll keep me out of the way so that you can do something special. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, by the way, um, those of you that have preschoolers, you're, a lot of this is slanted toward middle school, high school, because that's where we're losing our kids. Now, there's so much you can do now as a preschool parent that will guard you against what we're going to talk about today. So it's huge that you be here, and I don't want you to feel left out in any way. Understanding the territory. This first section is about why are we losing our kids and our grandkids? I told you this morning, 91% of the kids who grew up in churches just like this have checked out by age 18. Why does that happen? I want you to look at these two slides. Teenagers are best described as human beings in transition. Huge idea. We make a huge mistake when we treat teenagers like they're miniature adults. I want you to listen very carefully. Our teenagers are starting to look like adults. And, uh, but emotionally, physically, psychologically, both feet are planted in midair. Okay? They are human beings in transition. Um, now, I want to give you a slide that will comfort you, okay? The word teen comes from the Latin word which means pain, misery, and grief. Okay? <laughs> So those of you that have teenagers in your house, I just want you to know that you are not alone. The word adolescence was defined in a certain way for a certain purpose, all right? Now, this is a huge idea. During the first two years of adolescence, the brain of a teenager doubles in size. That does not mean that they become twice as intelligent. That's what they think that means. I was speaking out in California, and I saw a poster that said, hire a teenager while he still knows everything. But that's what they think it means. But what it really means is that they are going to move from the thought processes of a child to an adult. Um, They are going to begin to question everything. You say it's white, they're going to say it's black. You ever heard the little phrase, they would argue with a stinking signpost. Now, if you're going to be successful with a teenager, you have to create an atmosphere in your home where you are asking them to ask even more questions. Now, some of you are looking at me right now, I can see it. Jerry, I don't have suicidal tendencies. I've never had suicidal tendencies. Why would I do something that sounds so Kentucky Fried stupid? Now, I just want to ask this question. How many of you in this room who are currently parenting teenagers, children, middle school, high school kids, how many of you would like to have your kids at 32 years of age married with their spouse and their kids and they're all still living in your house. Can I see your hands? Okay, we have two idiots in the room right here. (laughs) I'm just having fun with you guys, okay? 
Now, l- let me ask this question. How many of you would like for your kids to grow up and get healthy? Meet a healthy mate. Have healthy children. Visit your house on holidays briefly. Can I see your hands? Now, uh, this is a huge idea. If you want your kids to grow up and get healthy, the only way they're going to do that is to answer the key questions of life for themselves. When our kids were little, they needed two things. They needed unconditional love and acceptance, and they needed security. So when they asked a question for you to look at them, and they they needed to learn about reality, for you to look at them and say, you're going to do it this way because I said so, is perfectly fine. But if you want them to learn how to think and how to make decisions about values that are healthy, then they have to question, and we have to foster that. Does that make sense? Now, um, there are four key decisions that every teenager, I want you to get the, get the word must. These are questions they must answer before they leave your house at age 18. Number one, they have to decide on the three key questions of life apart from mom and dad. They can't be your answers. They have to be their answers. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? They got to answer those questions for themselves. Mom and dad, listen to this. I love you. Uh, I'm a Zig Ziglar fan. Uh, I I literally, in our car, when we're traveling on family vacations, my kids listen to Zig Ziglar. They listen to John Maxwell. They listen to funny, healthy stuff on making life choices. We listen to the Bible. We did everything we could do to expose our kids to how to win in life. I paid my kids $20 to read a great book we agreed upon and write a one-page report. But no matter what we do as parents, we can't make them choose to win. Secondly, they got to decide how their friends are going to impact the way they make life choices. I just went, these don't populate, never mind. It's not going back. Okay, I'm still talking about these four decisions. Their friends are going to impact the way they make life choices. By the way, this is not just a teen issue. This is a parent issue. We have a lot of parents in America, in fact, the majority, that are living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck because they're trying to keep up with everybody else. My daughter came to me. I'll never forget this. She was a junior in high school, about to be a senior. And she said, Dad, you need to know that it is the tradition in this community, in our school, that every parent throws a senior coming out party. They spend between fifteen dollars $20,000 to do it. And I just want you to know, everybody's going to do it. Well, I said, well, Paige, everybody may do it, but we're not doing it. Because I can't imagine worse stewardship. Now, I love you. If you want to invite 12 of your best friends to go with us to the Cheesecake Factory or Longhorn or someplace nice and do a special meal for you, we're going to be happy to do that. Uh, there were people, there are people literally all over America. I have close friends that spend forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 on a wedding for their child because they're going to keep up with everybody else. 
I'll not tell you what I did. I wrote my daughter a very generous check. And I said, Paige, this is my contribution, my total contribution to your wedding. Now, you don't have to have a wedding. I don't really care. If you want to have a wedding, your mom and I are fine with that. If you want to get a few, few family and friends together and spend this money on the down payment on the house, we're happy with that. But this is my total contribution. Now, there are only three people you have to please with this wedding. Number one, you need to please God. Number two, you need to please you. And number three, you need to please your husband. Your mom and I are not on the list of people you need to please about this wedding. Your mom will be your servant. We will not, she will not make suggestions. If you want her opinion, she'll be happy to talk with you about it. But this is your wedding. And uh, we followed through with that. My daughter did an incredible wedding. She was, she was stingy and chinchy and she did a wedding that would have cost two and a half times the amount of money. But I did not give her one more dime. And she knew I wouldn't because we do reality discipline at our house. We, we tell them once, and when they cross the line, whatever we promise, good or bad, it's happening. And that had been going on for 20 years, and so she knew. And so we were good stewards, and she grew up. Okay? But I'm just telling you, they've got to decide how are their friends going to impact the way they make decisions, and it starts with you and me. Thirdly, they've got to decide how they're going to relate to the opposite sex. Really don't have time to say a whole lot about that right now, but you, you, you guys are on the way. You had True Love Waits this morning, and we're going to talk more later about how to model those kind of things. Finally, they've got to decide about their life values. Now, I believe the Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. You want to know what God thinks about anything? All you got to do is look in this book, and you'll find it. I believe that Jesus Christ is who we claim to be, and the only way to get to heaven is to have a relationship with him. That's my faith. But I want you to know something, moms and dads and grandparents. I'm not trying to make you mad at me. But just because your kid's been down the aisle and been in the baptistry doesn't mean it's their faith. They're going to decide, undecide, and redecide whether or not this Bible's true about 15,000 times from the time they get into adolescence in the time that they hit 25 to 30 years of age. They're deciding whether or not the Bible is true. Now, in light of that, if some of that, that shakes you up, just keep listening, okay? Um, how do we pass on our faith? Oh, wow, it started over. All right. If you have your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. We got an outline here of how is it that we pass on our faith in Christ. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one God. And you shall love the Lord, notice what it says, with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul. These words which I commend you this day, listen to this, shall be on your mind. Is that what it says? On your what? Heart. In other words, it ought to be displayed in your life. And you shall teach these things from your pulpits. Is that what it says? You shall teach these things in disciple now, in true love waits. You shall teach these things in the children's ministry. You shall teach these things to your 
children. As you walk along the way, as you sit down, as you rise. Now, parents, I love you, and, and, and I'm going to be just totally and completely blatantly honest. Mom and dad, listen carefully. It is not your pastor's job to lead your kids to Christ and mentor them. It's not your youth pastor's job. It's not Thomas's job. It's your job to lead your kids to Christ and to mentor them spiritually. Now, my dad used to come to me and he would say, Jerry, you need to eat that broccoli, boy. You need to eat that broccoli because there are people in Africa, son, that have nothing to eat. He's putting this guilt trip on me. What I didn't eat was going down the garbage disposal. It wasn't going to be freeze-dried sent to Africa. There's nothing I could do about what was going on in Africa, and it didn't relate to whether or not I ate my broccoli. And so for me to tell you, you need to do this, well, how, how do you do this? I want to try to answer that question. Most importantly, modeling. Now, Mom and Dad, if you are going to write down one thing I say tonight, I want you to write this down. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, teachers, we have to become before our kids what in our dreams we want them to be. We have to become before our kids what in our dreams we want them to be. I want you to read my lips. Your kids, as young as four and five, have a built-in bunk detector. When we say A and we live B, everything we've just said to them went into their emotional trash can. Remember, your teenagers are asking, is the Bible true? If they have to make up their minds between our behavior and what they see in the Bible, we've just put our kids, our grandkids, the people we love the most, in huge jeopardy. They're looking for the truth. They have to see it in you and me. Now, I have one of my favorite, you're going to see two of my favorite commercials of all time tonight. And I want you to watch this commercial. It didn't work. What do we do here? It, it worked before. And I don't know how to get back to it. All right, just a minute. I'm sorry. Let's try this one more time. Yeah, it's not Danny's fault. And this is not an Aggie computer, it's a Mac. You, you know what I'm saying? I hope, um, tell you what, do you see how my jump drive? Okay, I want you to uh, pick out right now in case the next one doesn't work. I mean, I'll, I'll, this was a Jimmy Dean commercial. Do you, are you guys around, you remember this? She was asking her dad why he was cutting up everything, and Mama doesn't do it that way. And he said, Jimmy Dean does this for us. And she kept saying, why and why and why and why and why? 
And he's standing there in this ridiculous sunsuit, and he said, I have to do it this way because I have to get to work in light and heat the earth. Now, I want you to look at that face. Is she buying that? Everybody loves Raymond. It's on the jump drive. Okay, that's going to be the next video in case it doesn't work. And so you don't want to see this face. Now, I gave you some bad news earlier. 91% are checking out by JT. But listen to this good news. When mom and dad are modeling their faith and get engaged in the harvest, we're losing less than 5%. We're keeping almost 96% of our kids. Now, I told you guys this morning that I went to Texas A&M, okay? Um, we're not hugely smart there. We have a hard time with very simple questions. If you study history, you will know that pilgrim men had a very hard time keeping their pants up. Have you ever thought about why? They wore their belt buckles on their hats. Okay, simple things like that. We, <laughs> we have a hard time with, okay? But if you'll think with me for just a minute, and I think, you know, Dr. Holloway and I have not talked about it, but I think he would agree, the Bible really only teaches one central thing, okay? But from Adam and Eve until you and me, everybody has sinned. We agree with that? We agree that, uh, that the only way to get to heaven is not to have a sin problem. you got to be perfect. If, if God let people like me into heaven, heaven would be just like here. And so Christ came. He lived the perfect life we can't live, died on the cross, and was resurrected. And then he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to God unless he comes through me, right? That's why we're all here. And after he was resurrected, for the next 40 days, he had one message through five commissions. Your job till I come back is to tell everybody else. That's the one central message of the Bible. Are you guys all with me on that? Now, if we tell our kids, you're not going to that party, this is what the Bible says. You're not hanging out with those kind of people, this is what the Bible says. You are going to disciple now. You're doing true love waits. You are going to youth camp because this is what the Bible says. But then we don't have a broken heart for our neighbors who don't know Jesus and our kids see us doing nothing about it, they have to decide, is the Bible true or is my parents' behavior true? When mom and dad model their faith, get engaged in the harvest, we're keeping almost 96% of our kids. Let me illustrate. Um, I used to do 9 to 10 youth camps every summer. Loved it. But I didn't love this one. I was invited to do a camp, and it was in the mountains of Tennessee. Now, you need to know something about me. I'm not a camper. I'm not a rough-it person. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I love all of you that do, and I want you to invite me when I'm in town to your house so I can help you eat your stuff because it's awesome. But I'm not going to go do that myself. And, and I, I praise God for those of you who do. And so we get to this camp. And it's not a camp. Now, by the way, for me, for me, 
roughing it is doing the Holiday Inn instead of the Marriott, okay? So, I mean, I, I'm not going camping. So, we, we get to this camp, and it is a camp camp, okay? I am not exaggerating. There, there are a lot of preachers who actually lie when they preach because they just want to make it sound a little bit better, okay? So, this is not exaggerated. We killed, not one, not two, not three or four, we killed 13 copperheads that were bigger than three and a half feet. My wife and I slept with lizards. I could tell you more, but you know, that's enough. You get it. It's Friday morning, and I don't mean to be tacky, but I'm ready to leave this godforsaken camp. Okay? And uh, this little boy, this, not little boy, this teenager, he's probably 16, 17, Walks up to me, okay, now I have sacrificed a week with lizards and snakes, and he says this to me. He said, Jerry, you're a liar and a jerk. I thought in the words of Elvis, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> what did I do to you? And he said, all week long, you've been saying Jesus is the only way to get to God. That's not true. That can't be true. I said, what in the world are you talking about? This is what the Bible says. He said, my daddy is chairman of deacons at our church. My dad teaches Sunday school at our church. We live in a subdivision. We're the only family in the subdivision that goes to church. And I've, ne I've never seen my dad or my mom even walk across the street to talk to one of my neighbors. And if Jesus is the only way my neighbors were going to get to God, my daddy would be doing something about it. And he was just that mad. I followed up with this youth pastor. When he got home, he gave up on his virginity and morality, and he walked away from the faith of his family. you got to become before your kids what in your dreams you want them to be. If you really believe that Jesus is who he claims to be and that God's word is true, you got to get engaged in the harvest, not just you, but you and your family. Now, I want you to learn from the great prophet Everybody loves Raymond. You don't have it? Okay. Bless God. Allie? Hi, Daddy. Hi. What you doing? Just playing with my dolls. Oh, good. Good. Listen, um, the other day you, you asked questions about babies and stuff. When you started sneezing? Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, anyway, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that now. Okay. Good, good. Okay. Let me try to explain a few things. Sometimes they decide to make a baby. Why are there babies? Right, right. Okay, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> okay. What a man and a woman do is... No, I mean, I know that the man and the woman have to do something, but why are we born? 
Why has God put us here? That's a good question. You see, God is up in heaven, and, well, honey, it's very crowded up there. It is? Yeah, yeah, and, and you don't want to be in heaven if it's crowded, right? I mean, remember when we went to Disney World, how crowded that was? Huh? I mean, it was fun, so God, he sends us down to earth for a little while to ease the heavenly congestion. This is a huge idea. That's fun, isn't it? This is a huge idea. If you're going to tell your kids the Bible's true, Christianity's true, they need to come to church, but you're not going to get engaged in the one central purpose in Scripture, the harvest, you might as well be talking about the heavenly congestion. Because I'm telling you right now, your kids are not going to buy it. Number one, Modeling. Number two, informal instruction. I want you to notice that it says as you sit down, as you walk along the way, as you lie down, in, in the course of daily life, um, you pass on your faith. You say, I love you to your spouse and to your children and your grandchildren with four simple letters, T I M. E. The average dad is spending less than 50 seconds a day in meaningful conversation with their teenagers. You just don't pass it along in that time period. Now, for my son, this was a piece of cake. You know what my son wanted to be when he was uh, 14 years old? He wanted to be on the PGA Tour. Dads, 
It's like dying and going to heaven. I would rather play golf than eat. Okay, you know what I'm saying? And my son, you know, I come in from work. Dad, we got time for nine holes? I know we got time to go hit balls and putt and chip. And I would say, twist my arm. My son and I had so much time together. My daughter was a different story. And so that, how many of you dads in the room have daughters that are like elementary, middle school, high school? Can I see your hands? If you're dad, listen, this is huge, okay? When my daughter was seven, I wish I'd have started earlier. But when my daughter was seven, we started going every month on daddy-daughter dates. And my daughter is like my mom, or excuse me, like my wife. She loves to go out to eat. All of our dates started with going out to eat. And guys, in case you decide to do this, I'm warning you now so you can't sue me later. Okay? As she got older, the restaurants got more expensive. You know what? I'm not loaded, don't have a lot of money, but I'm telling you, I didn't care. Because the more expensive the restaurant, guess what? The longer it takes to eat there. And what I wanted with her was what? Time. Now, I'll tell you about our last three days. Out to eat, shopping. Out to eat, shopping. Out to eat, shopping. Now, I just want you to know, I hate shopping. Can't stand it. I'd rather spend two hours in the steam room with the village people than go shopping. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I hate shopping. If, if I want something at the mall, if I want something at the mall, literally, I'm going to park as close to the purchase as possible. I'm in 10 minutes. I'm out. Do I have a witness? I, I go to the mall with my daughter, and we spend two and a half, three hours doing something we could have done in 10 minutes. But it was just walking around the mall, you know, holding hands, talking, visiting, that said to my daughter, my daddy loves me. You say I love you with four letters. Now, that's all we have time for on that. I, I told you, 12 hours, and we have 50 minutes. Family worship. I'm not really going to cover this. It is in two out of these three books over here, and if you're interested, you know, you can... Make a copy out of somebody else's book or get it. That's, that's up to you. But family worship is huge, a huge part of this. Um, now, next to, next to a spiritual heritage, the greatest gift you can give your kids is a self-worth and self-esteem based on the right stuff. I want you to look at these two slides, and I know you're working on this already. 99% of teenage girls who have sex before marriage have a low self-esteem. Now, some of you are thinking right now, why are you not talking about guys? For guys, sex is about conquest. For most girls who grew up in church, sex is about compromise. And then a student who feels good about himself or herself for the right reasons can stand the pressures of society. I want to tell you about a girl um, I was, we were doing the presence war on drugs. I'm going down the hall. And this beautiful girl, probably 17, 18, her boyfriend's pressuring her. If you love me, you'll let me. If you love me, you'll produce. Everybody else is doing it. Come on. 
And this girl spun around, and she looked at that guy, and she said, listen up. Here are my values. Number one in this life, I want to please God. Number two, I want to please me. I want to get up every day, look in the mirror, and like what I see. And number three, if you can't like me for me, then this relationship's over right here, right now. Now, how many of you would like for your, your daughter to take that kind of a stand? So how, how is it that that happens? All right. Now, number one, we need to model a healthy, growing marriage relationship. Mom and dad, grandparents, aunts and uncles, your kids get a huge amount of security by watching you relate to each other. They need to see a mom and a dad that are head over heels in love with each other. They love on each other. They're patient with each other. They need to see the kind of relationship between Jesus and his church in mom and dad. Now, I'm not going to mention the name of the church or the pastor. Your pastor would know this person. Many of you might know this person. But I was doing an event in his church. They were kind of walking out to the car. Didn't really know that I was observing. And the son was very disrespectful to his mother. And that pastor got in his son's face and he said, Son, you will never, ever, ever speak to your mom in that way again. Up one side, down the other, took three or four minutes. The mom thought he was a little harsh. And so the son got in the car and she challenged him. And that pastor literally looked at her. If looks could kill, she would have died. He said, shut up and get in the car. I'll tell you what I know. That 17-year-old boy was just treating his mother the way he had been watching his father treat his mother, probably since he can remember. Our kids need to see a healthy love relationship between mom and dad, and it provides a huge amount of security. And here's the good news. In the next session, I'm going to actually help you learn how to do that if you don't have that, okay? So it's another one of these not throwing it down. Number two, we got to point them in the right direction. Now, external would be the wrong direction. Now, I want you guys to talk back to me. I've been doing all the talking. What are the symbols of success in our society? If you got these things, you're successful. You're considered successful in our society. What are they? Uh, house. I heard car. Now, let me, so let me stop on car. Here's what I've discovered about a lot of teenagers. They can have a $2,000 truck, but with the right wheels and stereo, it's still okay. Okay? Now, all right, so cars, houses. Let's think about teenagers. What do teenagers need to have to be deemed successful? Clothing, electronics, money. People don't check about bank accounts. That's a great idea, but money buys those other things. Sports. You guys have missed the most important one for girls. What's the number one important thing for most girls in our society? Not looks, being dated. If you're, if you're 17 and you're not going to the prom, you're a loser. Now, let me ask this question. Is there anything wrong with being popular? 
Huh? Anything wrong with being popular? Anything wrong with having money? Now listen carefully. I've had money and I've not had money. And I've decided it's way better to have it. Okay? Nothing wrong with money. Anything wrong with having a nice car? Anything wrong with being dated? Now listen to this. Parents, this is the, this is the line. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. Unless you have to blow off who and what you are in Christ to try to get it. We got to point them in the right direction. What did the girl say? Number one, I want to please God. Number two, I want to please me. I want to look in the mirror and like what I say. Number three, if you can't like me for me, then this relationship's over. She had her priorities straight. To point them in the right direction, which is to Christ, you have to do two things. You have to model. We've already talked about that. But number two, you have to help your teenagers set their priorities. And pastor, let me tell you what I've seen as I literally have traveled around the world. It's not just America. But here's what I see. I see Christian parents pushing their kids in education, pushing their kids in athletics, spending a fortune on travel baseball, and their kids never come to church. Spending a fortune on tennis or golf or whatever. But when it comes time for disciple now, it's if, hey, if you don't want to go, that's okay. It's your choice. You don't want to go to youth camp, that's okay. It's your choice. Don't want to be a part of True Love Weights, that's okay. It's your choice. You know, I don't want my kids to grow up and resent God. Parents, love you but listen carefully you got these kids in your house until they're 18 and as long as they're putting their foot under your table when this church does something for their spiritual growth and development I'm not talking about every bowling party every sporting outing but when disciple now comes and true love waits comes and youth camp comes you ought to say hey I understand you don't want to go but Unless you want to pay your own way, as long as you live here, you're going. Because Jesus comes first. I'm telling you, if the only Jesus they have is what they get when they come here on Sunday mornings, they don't get to go to youth camp, they don't go to disciple now. As a parent, we're not providing the spiritual heritage they've got to have. It's, it, we're not forcing them. We're robbing them of the opportunity of an intelligent decision about Jesus. They've got to have the information. Now, now that you hate me, <laughs> let's talk about the, huge. Where are we on time, Doc? Huh? 22. All right. We're in, we've got to be in a hurry. Love your kids unconditionally. I want to give you a metaphor. Your kids have an emotional gas tank that's got to be filled to overflowing with unconditional love and acceptance, okay? And uh, their self-worth and self-esteem is hugely dependent upon that. Zig Ziglar made this statement, no person can behave in a manner that is different than the way they see themselves. And how they see themselves through your eyes is all about how you fill this emotional gas tank. I want to give you three reasons why we have a hard time with this. The first one is performance. Tommy, 
You made straight A's. I'm so proud of you. Hello. I went to A&M. What are we saying? If he hadn't made straight A's, we wouldn't be proud. Ray Charles could see that coming. We cannot base their self-worth and self-esteem on performance. Kathy, you scored 30 points in the game. I'm proud of you. How do we turn that around? We say, Tommy, that hard work has really paid off. Good job. Do you see the difference? If we say, you did this, you did that, I'm proud of you. Here's what I know. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. If they learn how to perform for you, they're going to perform for their friends. If you love me, you'll let me. Chicken, everybody else is going to this party. It can't be about performance. you got to fill the gas tank with unconditional love and acceptance. When my daughter literally was 30 minutes old, I pulled her up to my face and I said, Paige Pipes, I love you so much. You're so awesome. On a scale of 1 to 10, you're a 30. I'm proud of you. Now, she didn't remember that. She was 30 minutes old. But... I did that every day I was home until she went to college. Now, I'm not perfect, but she remembers very few days unless I was out of the country and didn't have access to a phone that we didn't have that conversation. And I would ask her, do you know why I'm proud of you? And uh, she would say, I don't really know. I'm proud of you just because you're Paige. You don't have to do anything. I'm proud of you just because of who you are. If you asked her today, why is your daddy proud of you? She'd look at you and say, just because I'm Paige. Now, those of you in this room that are dads, your daughters, I'm moms, you're important. Your daughters need that more from you as a daddy than they need it from their mother. That is huge. Performance. Two, perfection. How many of you would admit with me that you are a perfectionist? Raise your hands. Obviously, your pastor has not taught this congregation where we send people for lying. We send people to Washington for that, okay? <laughs> Even if you're lying and you didn't raise your hand. Perfectionism. I want to give you two statements that I hope that you'll write down and take home with you. There are two things that are critical. Try to find your kids doing something right and make a big deal out of it. Number two... For everything you say to them that is negative, you have to say seven things in the positive to make up for one negative comment. Some of you are saying right now, that's not even possible. You have to learn to catch them doing something right and brag on them, and you have to learn how to duck. We'll talk way more about that in the next session. But let me give you two examples. When my kids were in middle school, we tried to help Paige and Josh learn how to sit down at a table and eat like a people. We weren't looking for perfection. We just wanted to learn how to eat like a people. But there were so many other important things that my wife and I made a vow to God. We will never waste one moment of negative energy on how they eat. Who cares? I would say, Josh, you're chewing with your mouth closed. I had to be incredibly quick to catch him. You're chewing with your mouth closed. I'm so stoked that good manners are becoming important to you. The next time he would come to the table, everything he would do would be perfect. My daughter, 15, going on 25. She leaves two ladies, personal female items, 
on the floor, public hallway, in front of God and everybody, but especially in front of my 12-year-old living hormone son. He's stepping over these two personal female items. I'm not happy. I ducked. I ran downstairs, and I said, Paige, your room is awesome. The bed's perfect. Your desk is perfect. The closet's clean. The floor's picked up. Wow, you're learning how to take care of your stuff. Give me a high five. Ladies, I went upstairs after they went to school, and not only has she picked up those two things, she went in and straightened up the bathroom before she went to school. We act out of how we believe about ourselves. If you work at it, I promise you, you can be on your kids 24-7 finding something that's wrong. Is that not right? Or you can try to catch them doing something right and make a big deal out of it and change the atmosphere in your home. Finally, preference. Some of you in this room have multiple children, and you have a favorite. Some of you are looking at me right now. I would never prefer one of my children over the other. I'm insulted. You stinking liars. Some of you have a kid you don't even like. And do you know why you don't like them? You don't like them because they're just like you. Every time you look at them, you're looking in the mirror, and it drives you crazy. I just want to be honest with you. Preferences are normal. We are often attracted to different kinds of personalities. But you need to be careful about it because your kids notice it. I wish I had more time. Okay. Um, that's what we have time for on this table over here. And I need, if, if they have not already been arranged, I need a couple of volunteers, but I want to tell you the books that are over there. I'm not here to sell you books. Okay. Uh, my kids won't eat next week, but that's not a big deal. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding you, but I want you to know what's over there and why this is a, what I've been, probably 80% of what I've been teaching you today comes out of this book right here. This is a fun, entertaining look at intimacy, self-esteem, discipline, how to plan your own life personally, um, how do you deal with the tough times when they come, and it ends with a chapter about how do you defend your faith which you can use with your kids. It's filled with fun anecdotes. And... Um, and so let me see if I can find a couple that, is really, that are really fun. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but since I can't put pictures in the book, I can at least put stuff in here that's fun. Kind of keeps it going. Ricky, age seven, tell your wife she looks pretty even if she looks like a truck. I, I would say that he is a smart person. Nan, age four, said, dear God, thank you for the puppy, but what I really wanted was a little brother. Um, let, me, let me give you the most fun one in here. Okay, kids learn through reality. Okay, these, these, these are fun. When your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. <laughs> is, is, isn't, that, isn't that good? If, you, if your sister hits you, don't hit her back. They always catch the second person. 
Never hold a dustbuster and a cat at the same time. Okay, this is just a fun, healthy, one-stop shop on how to do family, okay? This book called Family to Family is specifically six chapters on how do you lead your kids to Christ and disciple them. How do you get on mission as a family? So this is taking it to the second level. And then finally, this book is brand new. It came out in March. Becoming Complete, Discovering, Developing the Real You. If I were to ask you right now, what are the six basic disciplines of the Christian life? What do you have to do every day if Christ is going to be at the center of your life and you're going to win in life, be all he made you to be? What are they? And how would you teach them to your kids? That's what this book is. It teaches assurance of salvation and the six basic disciplines of how do you develop your relationship with Christ. Life-changing quiet times, developing a powerful prayer life, personalizing his word, making disciples, and so on. Okay? Now, the books are uh, 15 each, two for 25. You get all three for 35. And I probably only have about 11 sets over there. I have more of one of the other books. But there are 11 sets over there. Uh, not, like I said, not here to sell you stuff. And, uh, but if they'll bless you and you'll read them and, uh, and let God use them, then that would be cool. Um, we're going to take a 10-minute break. Is it about 10 till? We did, we did good. Stuart over here, Dr. Holloway, was the timekeeper, keeping me on track here. So uh, that was awesome. Now, if you have elementary children or middle school, high school kids, we want them to join us for the next hour. I'm begging you not to leave. The most important hour of the day is coming. Communication is we're going to learn how to listen for understanding, eyes, ears, heart. We're going to learn how to deal with anger and, um, and a lot more. All right? You guys have been awesome. Thank you for coming, and I hope to see you in 10 minutes.